as Tanya and Tanil were leading us in the band, I was thinking about the prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. Can we pray that together? Now, you're probably going to have to revert back to that old King James Version, which that's fine. All right, don't judge us. But can we pray that together? Remember, Crystal, how it goes? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the glory, the power. Amen. I don't know. The last line actually wasn't in some of the earliest manuscripts, but you'll learn about that in a quip. Hey, uh, I hope, Todd, make sure you get that because that line's not in there. Hey, as you think about these songs, you can have a seat. As you think about these songs and as you think about the prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray, what is the Holy Spirit showing you right now that you feel like you need to share with all of us? Does anybody feel like that the, the Lord has shown them something that they need to share with all of us before we jump into the scriptures? And if you do, I'm going to run this mic to you. Usually at Mosaic, every week we try to take some time to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to the whole body. Yeah, Sarah. So one of the things that the scripture speaks about in the Revelation is how all of the tribes, all of the tongues are gathered together and they sing and they worship and they praise the Lord from the dawn of time through the end. And these people don't know each other prior to that coming together. And so many of them, even though they've never physically met, they know the exact same songs. And they come with different harmonies and different personal experiences with those songs. And this is a small representation of exactly that where we've got all these people joined together on a new path of a journey that we're all taking towards the king, and we have so many of the same songs, but with our own personal experiences attached to them, and we get to speak life together through those songs with new harmonies as we worship the one true king. Anybody say amen to that? Anyone else? Roger. Yes. Um, my, I got an emergency prayer request from my daughter last week. Her uncle in Salt Lake City was in the um, emergency room, and it didn't look good. Um, kind of cut to the chase. His, something had happened. His intestines were up in his lung cavity, and he was dying. Um, so we started praying. Um, they were operating on him, and his heart stopped. Worked on him for 28 minutes. His heart was not beating. Doctors gave up and stepped away to call it, and his heart started back up again. So um, he's still not out of the woods, but um, God's worked a miracle so far. The doctors called it a miracle, and that doesn't happen much. Amen. 
What's impossible with men is possible with God. Yeah, Kala. I uh, want to speak. Oh, I want to speak to the married couples in here. Have y'all ever started off your morning where uh, you and your spouse or your significant other are just arguing with each other? So he and I were arguing this morning. Um, he's not feeling well. I think he got what I had a while ago, but um, I was reminded that it's God's will, not mine, um, and that includes him coming to church or not, and that includes, um, you know, it reminds me when I spoke my harsh words this morning that I need to show him grace. And I just want to remind the married couples especially, extend grace to your spouse, even when you just want to scream or bash their head into a wall, which I know y'all couldn't relate to because it, it's a common thing in marriage. <laughs> um, so extend the grace and remember it's God's will, not our own. Thank you, Kella. We're actually going to touch on that just briefly in the scriptures. Every time the church comes together, whether it's around a coffee shop or in a small group or in a room like this, the Holy Spirit wants to speak through more than just the pastors or the worship leaders. Amen? He needs to. If you have your scriptures today, I want you to turn to Colossians. We're in a new year, a new ministry opportunity, a new facility for the Mosaic family. Thank you, Crossroads, for continuing to extend uh, grace our way. I just realized, Tyler, that with this new pulpit, Bryson, here, I don't have to have that. I just put it right here. It's awesome. I'm used to a flat top. I don't know what your desires are for 2024. I will say this, that without a foundation, without a healthy base, you won't go anywhere. Um, if you're a cheerleader, you know that the base, the foundation, the cheerleaders on the bottom kept everything up top. You know that if you're a football player, the foundation of the offensive line chooses whether or not the ball gets moved down the field. Uh, Jesus talks about this when he says, when you hear these words of mine, um, if you build your life on these words, he was talking about the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He says, if you build your life on these words of mine, when the rains come and when the rivers or the floods rise and when the winds blow, your life will be okay. Now, I, I don't know what 2024 holds for all of us, but I can promise you this. There's going to be rain, there's going to be floods, and there's going to be wind. In this world, you will have trouble. Welcome to Crossroads and Mosaic. This is what Jesus promised us. It's not going to be a great year in 2024 without any suffering or pain. So Jesus says, if you're going to get through 2024, you're going to have to have a good foundation. Now, Paul comes in and he says that foundation is not just the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says there's been one foundation laid. There's no other foundation laid. And that foundation is Jesus Christ himself. And so in 2024, our hope for you as pastors of these two churches is that you and I would build our lives on Jesus Christ. And in Colossians, that's where we're going to be this morning. Colossians chapter 2 is where I'm going to start. Colossians is a small little book in the middle of the New Testament written by Paul. 
our Nehemiah guys just studied this. If you don't know where it is, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, someone says at one time, God eats popcorn, which is not true. But if that helps you understand it, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Paul says this, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him, being rooted and built in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. Now, the reason that the book of Colossians was written to the church, there was three main reasons. Number one, they wanted to remind the church of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. In 2024, we as a church, two churches meeting one location, we have to remember that Jesus is the hero. He's the only one that matters. He is supreme, Colossians 1. The second reason that Colossians was written was to remind the church that there's going to be people who are going to try to come and divide you or distract you or remove you from God's plan for your life. They're heretics, they're false teachers. you got to remember that there's enemies. If you're going to live for Jesus in 2024, there will be enemies in your life. They're going to try to distract you. And then the third reason that Paul writes Colossians is that he wants to give us something very practical so that we can walk out our faith in a practical way. And in Colossians 2, it talks specifically about being rooted. Today, I want to give you five things, and then I want to give you three opportunities, and I want to end with one word. Five, three, one. Can you say that with me? Five, three, one. Five things, three opportunities, and one word. But first, I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of a tree. Now, usually when you see a tree like this that's in good shape and you see all those beautiful branches, there's a reason it's like that. It's because something's happening underneath the ground that allows that tree to flourish. Now, if you look down there, you'll see all these different kinds of roots. Now, we have some men in our community that are professional tree guys. So, Nathan, if what I'm about to say is wrong, keep your mouth shut and uh, just shake your head and say amen. These are all these different roots, okay? So you're going to see some sinker roots in there, some fine roots. They kind of spread out. There's some roots that are called the oblique roots in there. I was learning about trees. There's some lateral roots. They're kind of growing. Those are the ones you'll see in your yard. But if you look in the middle of that tree, right down the center, you see that big root right there? That's called the tap root. And it's the tap root that is crucial for the health and the life of the tree. The taproot is crucial for the tree to function properly. And I would submit to you, church, that in 2024, the taproot for our lives to be built and based on Jesus should be Jesus himself and his scriptures. The taproot. My hope for you today as I speak for a few minutes is to help us look upward. And then Tyler's about to come and help us look outward and around. I would encourage you today to think about what is your taproot? What is the thing that's pulling in the nutrients in the water? You know, the root system, it takes in nutrients. It anchors the tree. The root system stores excess carbohydrates so that when it's wintertime, the tree doesn't die. The root system transports nutrients all around. Actually, did you know that the root system can actually change the soil around it? It's pretty cool. The root system also 
provides home for fungi and other microorganisms. There's so much going on underneath the surface. I want you to think about how Jesus and the scriptures do the same thing, how the scriptures supply us with grace and truth. The scriptures anchor us when the rains come and the floods rise and the winds blow. The scriptures remind us that we are a family. There's a symbiotic relationship here, as Sarah just mentioned, that there's two churches singing similar songs with different personalities, different theologies. Let's not kid ourselves in some ways. Not anything that matters. I don't think there's anything that matters theologically that Crossroads and Mosaic are not on par with. What would it look like if Jesus and the scriptures became our taproot so that the soil that we live in around us in our culture and our city is changed? That's what happens when you understand taproot. As you think about being rooted in 2024, I want to encourage you with five things. If you decide and I decide to be rooted in Jesus and his scriptures, here's what's going to happen. Number one, the scriptures tell us that we're going to hear God's voice. Jesus says in John 10 that my sheep hear my voice. He expected us as his followers to hear his voice. In Luke 9, 35, the father says, this is my son who I've chosen. And then there's this word in there that says, listen to him. Jesus expects his disciples to hear his voice. The father expects Jesus' disciples to hear his voice. And the only way you're going to learn how to hear the voice of God is through the Holy Spirit. The Trinity works this way. It's beautiful. And the Trinity... Specifically, the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote your Bible. You're going to learn about that and equip. It was the Holy Spirit who wrote this book. And so as you are rooted in Christ and his scriptures, guess what? You're going to hear the voice of God. And by the way, the primary way that God speaks to his people is through the word of God. Now, he speaks in other ways, and we can discuss that later over coffee. But the primary way, he speaks is through the Bible. So if you want 2024 to be an amazing year, as the rains come and the floods rise and the winds blow, consider being rooted so you can hear God's voice. Another thing that happens, according to Psalms 1, is that when you're rooted, when you choose to meditate on this word of God day and night, Psalms 1 says you're going to be refreshed, you're going to be blessed, and you're going um, to be productive. You're going to be prosperous. Now, it's not a health and wealth prosperity that's very dangerous. But who in this room wouldn't want 2024 to be a year where we're refreshed? We're not always stressed out. We're not always worrying. Who in this room wouldn't want to be blessed in 2024? Not Mosaic. We say this. We've been blessed to be a blessing. So whatever God gives to you, it has to move through you if it's truly of God. If it just stays with you, it's probably not of God. God wants you to take the gifts that you've been given. He wants you to share them. And then who in this room wouldn't want to be prosperous in the ways that the Scriptures teach? Well, let me tell you what. If you and I would allow Jesus and his Scriptures to be our taproot, we're going to get a chance to experience Psalms 1. Number three, we get a chance to grow in our faith. In Romans 10, it says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. This is why it's so important that every Sunday morning you choose to be under the teaching of Scripture. As the Scriptures are taught by healthy Bible teachers, your faith begins to grow. In fact, the opposite is true. 
If you're not under healthy biblical teaching, you skip a few weeks, you're not listening to things on your, on your podcast, you're, you're not spending time in small groups, guess what happens? Your faith begins to get weak. And one of the things that Satan loves to speak to people who have weak faith is that it's not worth going back. They're going to judge you, they'll condemn you, don't show back up. And I just want to say in the name of Jesus, rebuke that. Wherever you are, if you're watching or if you're here, it's the first time you've been around God's people for a while, if your faith is really, really weak, if you will allow Jesus and the taproot, the scriptures, to be the taproot of your life, you'll find that your faith will grow. And it may not grow exponentially, but one next step in front of the next right step is important. Did you know, number four, that when you allow Jesus and the scriptures to be the taproot, that you're going to figure out what good works God wants you to do in 2024. Did you know that every disciple in here, if you're a lover of Jesus, you have been predestined to do good works this year. There are things that only you will be able to do. No one else will be able to do them. God is calling you to them. But how will you know which ones those are? And how will you know when to say no to certain things and yes to other things? Well, you got to have a good taproot. And the scriptures remind us that as you become a person who loves the scriptures, you're going to be able to understand what God's will is for your life. All scripture is given to us according to 2 Timothy 3. It's profitable for rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to ask you a question. Raise your hand if you would like to fulfill all the good works God has for you in 2024. Now, every disciple in the room should have their hand up. Keep them up. I want to fulfill, Just I'm just speaking for you. Keep your hand up. Jesus, I want to fulfill every good work you have for me in 2024. Amen? Okay, thank you. We've commissioned ourselves. We've asked the Lord. And I believe that as you stay grounded, rooted in the taproot. It's going to happen. And then finally, number five. This is what Kala was speaking to just a minute ago. It's kind of interesting how the Holy Spirit moves in those times. When you choose to make Jesus in your scriptures your taproot, you have a greater chance of not drifting into error, drifting into bad places in your life. Hebrews 2 reminds us that We've got to remember what we've heard, what we've been taught, so that we will not drift. We have to, quote, pay attention to it. Coasting isn't an option for a disciple. You as a disciple and I as a disciple, we're either moving aggressively towards Jesus and his kingdom come, or we're moving away from it. Now, I'm not saying you're not saved, but I'm saying this. If you're a disciple of Jesus, coasting is not an option. It's the same way with your marriage, Kala. Every single day, if you're a married couple, you're deciding if you're going to pursue a one-flesh relationship with your spouse or you're not. And here's the thing. The writer of Hebrews doesn't say to be careful that you don't rush into error. It says drift. Nobody wakes up one day and says, forget it, I'm getting a divorce. Nobody. They drift there. Nobody wakes up one day and says, forget it. I want to follow another God. Nobody. They drift there. Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know, forget it. I, I just want to be depressed my whole life. 
you drift there. Friends, family, neighbors, in 2024, the scriptures and Jesus do not want us to drift. He wants us to be focused and wholehearted to himself. There is no coasting. Drifting doesn't feel bad at the time. And then you realize if you're on a boat and it starts to drift away from where you're headed, you wake up and realize, oh my gosh, I'm miles away from where I'm supposed to be. Now, if that's you today and you feel like, man, I have drifted away from the Lord. I've drifted away from my spouse. I've drifted away from my kids. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ has come to forgive that. And as you would choose to repent, that means change your mind and then change your way of living. As you would choose not to drift any longer, Jesus' grace will come. That's what Calla just said. Jesus' grace will come on your marriage. He'll come on your life. And he'll begin to reposition you to find the taproot, maybe for the first time, or maybe for the second time, or the fifth, or the 28th. This past week, I did a 24-hour silent retreat and I stopped at our barbecue place that we own in Glen Rose. It's called Hammond's Barbecue. We don't really own it. <laughs> I wish we did. It's amazing. And I'm sitting there, and I'm on a silent retreat. And so I'm not supposed to be speaking. And I see this little four-year-old boy, and all he keeps saying is, I want more, Daddy. I want more, Daddy. <laughs> and he's just eating that brisket. I want more, Daddy. Eating that brisket is so good. Now, it's probably not as good as David's brisket here, but it was good. And he keeps saying over and over again, I want more, Daddy. I want more, Daddy. And when you're on a silent retreat, you're asking the Holy Spirit to show you things that the Lord wants you to hear. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, listen to that phrase, I want more, Daddy. And when I got to the cabin that they gave me, I kept hearing that phrase over and over again, I want more, Daddy. See, that little boy was so in love with that amazing brisket. He wanted more and more and more and more. Daddy, I want more. Family, if you're a disciple of Jesus, do you want more in 2024 of the Lord? Do you want more of what he's called us to do? Paul says this in Ephesians 3.19, and I really don't know what it all means, but in Ephesians 3.19, he's talking about the love of God, and there's a part in there that says, until we become filled with all the fullness of God. You know that verse? Until we are filled with all the fullness of God. Are you filled with all the fullness of God? How do you know? Apparently, this was a prayer that Paul prayed for the church. And I think it's a prayer the Holy Spirit wants to pray for these two churches. I want more, Daddy. I'm discontent. I'm not interested in where I've been in 2023. I want more. Daddy, I want more. And you know what the dad did at Hammond's Barbecue? He kept giving him more. And I believe that as we pray to allow Jesus and the scriptures to be the taproot of what we're doing, I believe our Father will give us more. So I said five. I said three. Three insanely practical ways to make Jesus the taproot. Hey, here's number one. Read your Bible. Now, I would encourage you to read it every day. If you're a leader in the kingdom, I don't think there's any reason that you shouldn't be in the scriptures every single day. You need to read the scriptures every day. Why? Because that's your taproot. You don't want to drift. You want to hear God's voice. You want to grow in faith. All the five reasons I just gave you. 
Now, Mosaic, you have a yearly Bible reading plan. Crossroads, if you don't know a Bible reading plan, talk to one of your pastors. They will show you a Bible reading plan. God's people are to be in the Scriptures, and I would challenge you to be in the Scriptures every single day. A second thing I would challenge you to do, and this is something we're doing as two churches, is to attend Equip. Now, this Wednesday night, we are launching a holistic discipleship ministry for children, teenagers, and adults. I get the opportunity with Desi and Wes to help teach the kids. I'm so excited about that. Tyler and Tommy are going to teach our students. And Todd's going to be in here teaching the adults. And we're going to learn for four weeks how to trust the Bible. Do you know the Bible was written over 1,500 years by 40-plus authors? There's 66 books, but it only points to one message. Do you know if you can even trust the Bible? Some of you haven't decided if the Scriptures will be your taproot because you don't know if you believe the Scriptures, and that's fair. So my challenge to you would be to make Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock right here a priority for the next four weeks. And as we fill up these rooms with healthy, spirit-led Bible teaching, you're going to walk out into 2024 in February going, man, I don't doubt that this is true. God has given us this precious gift. The Holy Spirit is the author of it. And I want to be filled with His Spirit to understand it. And then finally, number three, meet with God's people. Make it a regular occurrence. Meet with us in rows. Rows are important. We're going to sing songs in rows. We're going to hear preaching in rows. We're going to watch baptisms in rows. But also meet in circles. Do you have a small group? If not, why not? Your greatest opportunities to grow are in a circle. Because that's where you get to ask the questions. How do I know this is real? Can you pray for me? That's where you get to submit to each other, confess your sins to each other, and say, man, help me grow. It's an insanely practical opportunity to make Jesus and the Scriptures your taproot. It's just to say in 2024, I'm going to meet in rows with God's people, and I'm going to meet in circles with God's people. And I'm going to watch my life grow. Now, I gave you five, and I gave you three, and my timer's gone off, but there was one thing left I have to give, unless Tyler says no. Okay. It's probably the most important thing. So thank you. You have three enemies. So do I. Satan and the demonic, your flesh, and our world. None of them want you to encounter the Bible. Your flesh will always make a reason. I stayed up too late. I played too many video games. I got to go to work. I got the Netflix stuff I got to watch. Your flesh does not want you to read the Bible. It doesn't want you to study it. It doesn't want you to memorize it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to kick against you. The world doesn't even believe there's truth, much less absolute truth from the Scriptures. They're definitely not going to want you in the Scriptures. And Satan knows that if I have a church, if I see a church that surrendered to Jesus and his Scriptures as their taproot, oh my gosh, what kind of havoc could they do? So church, let me remind you, there's a fullness of God that many of us haven't experienced yet. And God wants us to experience it. He's praying for us to experience it. But there's also three enemies of which I think my flesh is the biggest. So I have to discipline time to get up earlier. I have to say no to certain Netflix things. I have to choose to turn off the ticket and turn on something healthy. 
as I drive. But family, let me tell you, this is a war. And if you think here in a little sermon about vertical relationship with God, with the Bible, and taproot is really cool and fun, I get it. If you really want to do that, expect combat. Satan doesn't want you to do it. The world is going to mock you to do it. And your flesh isn't near as strong as you think you are. Wow, that's good news, Steve. Not really. But here's the good news. If you're a disciple of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Amen? The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Amen? The Holy Spirit wants you to encounter the Bible. So the question is, will you be filled with God's Spirit every day, baptized by His Spirit every day to say, Lord, you control my life. What my flesh, what Satan, what the world wants, I don't care because I was bought with a price and I laid it down. That song we just sang. So family, if you're here today and you've found the Bible to be uninteresting, boring, confusing, I would encourage you to join us this year as together both churches are going to help make Jesus and the scriptures the taproot. And if you claim to be a Christian, I may get in trouble, but that's okay. I'm about done. If you claim to be a Christian and you do not appreciate the scriptures, I would challenge you to consider that maybe you're walking in the flesh, that you're not walking in the Spirit. If you're a Christian and you don't love this gift that the Holy Spirit wrote, maybe there's a chance I'm not walking in the Spirit at all. And so if you're like me, and there's been many times in my life, many days, I don't care about the Bible. That's usually one of the first and foremost signs that something's off in my relationship with Jesus. And so what do you do, Steve? I put the Bible away, and I get on my knees, and I say, Lord, forgive me. Please fill me with your Spirit again. Because if the Spirit is filling the church, the church will love to read, hear, and obey the Scriptures. All for the glory of Jesus. Thank you, Steve, for that encouragement. I think just to add to what you said, um, the more I walk my walk, I realize the places where I don't. And I think just as a reminder and encouragement to all of us is just this, is that walking our walk doesn't require perfection. What it requires is intentionality of our hearts. Amen? Amen. My thing about Equip, I'm excited about too, is just one, uh, in regards to students, we shared this this past Wednesday, and why is it important to have God's Word knitted and worked into your heart? And and I would say this, um, and maybe this is your story, I came to Christ as a young adult, I didn't grow up in church, Um, that wasn't a rhythm that my family had, believe it or not, in the South, that happens from time to time. Um... But I was reading some statistics on just students, because I'm focused in student land for the next four weeks. And 
Um, and some of it was a little startling. I don't say, mean to say this is a, to, to bring fear, but um, the stat is 70% of students will leave the church after graduation. 70%. And maybe that's your story, right? Maybe, maybe you, you grew up in church. Maybe that was a rhythm of your family and you stepped away for a while, right? Because there's this tension. I've got students in my family. I've got kids. And um, is, I think that the rub or the tension for me is the dad and, and Dee, I think, would agree as well. It's just I want my kids to have their own faith, not my faith or her faith. Right, And then there's that handoff period, that transfer, where that happens, and sometimes you step away, and that's okay, right? Um, but as I read a little bit further, 35% of those students out of that 70, half, will come back in within 10 years. And so I just say that to say it's important that we work as much of God's Word in because you never know when you're going to need it. You just never know when you're going to need God's Word, God's people, God's leading in your life, and I don't say that to be a, because you should be a better person or not. It's just you need it when you need it at the worst possible time. You know, when I was thinking about, we had a room of 30, you know, uh, or so in, uh, on Wednesday, and so it's like eight of us are going to step away, four of us are going to come back. You know, so for the parent in the room, your kids need to see you walking the Christ life out. For students in the room, you got to walk it out the best you can because, again, you're going to need it when you need it. So I would encourage you, January 10th is an awesome opportunity for 90 minutes for four Wednesdays to learn a little bit more about the Scriptures and why we have the Scriptures and why these books and not those books and translations and these translations and all the things. And so if you're like, I would love to have some more information and some questions answered, I think that's a good way to go. Uh, last week at our New Year's Eve service, we talked about the new year offers us new possibilities, right? We all feel that, right? Like this year, it's a new year, it's a new ministry. We're going to step into what 24 had that 23 didn't give us, but also sometimes lead to senses of dread. Does anybody ever feel any kind of dread and, and, and a little um, tension around the new year? Right? Like some of us do. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe you're feeling that right now because there, uh, there's new people in the room. Um, I would say this, uh, and the reason I call it dread is because it's like New Year highlights the do-over season. That's what I call it, the do-over season. I didn't get this done in 23, which I really said I was going to do at the beginning of the year. Now I'm going to step into 24. I'm, before I do anything new in 24, I'm going to make sure I do what I need, the, what I should have done yesterday, the do-over season. Well, ironically, the Bible talks about the do-over season, and it does in James chapter 4. I'm going to be in Colossians in just a second, but I just want to highlight this for us. This is, again, in James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Notice if you hear the do-over season in this scripture passage. Come now who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life for your mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes? Instead, thankful for that instead there, right? Because I'm like, man, if verse 14, I'm like, I don't know what, what's going to happen to the rest of the day or tomorrow. And I haven't even decided what I'm going to eat yet, right? But here we go. 
But verse 15 throws this, this ray of hope, and it says this. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. And so if you want to counteract the do-over season and just that tension, instead of saying, let me make up for what I've done, what I haven't done before I can move on to what God has for me, instead ask the Lord, God, if it's in your will and your plan, let me just do what you've put in front of me. Steve spent some time talking about just some of the, 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 the things that he's put in front of us, understanding God's word in a new and deeper way, because you and I are meant to live in a deeper purpose, not just to do over the things that didn't get done last year. You're created for and equipped to live for a deeper purpose. And then just truth number one, it's this, we are meant, according to verse 15 in chapter 4 of James, we are meant to live by trusting God's plan for our lives. That's the deeper purpose. God has a plan for you, and we're meant to trust it, not making up for something that didn't happen last year, this year. Amen? Amen. But I want to look again in Colossians this morning that not only talks about the do-over season, but also it spans the taproot principle that Steve put before us, and it's in Colossians 3. Let me read verse 12 over you as we're running out of time. But then you're stuck, right? That's where it gets awkward. But I'm okay with that. All right, verse 12 in chapter 3 of Colossians. Put on then, this is again Paul writing to the church that he started in Colossae. And he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Man, that seems like a tall order, right? Because... I don't know about you, but I get cut off way too often on 20 or on 30 or on Cooper. And, you know, maybe we ran out of breakfast tacos this morning. Or maybe I just didn't wake up in the place that I wanted to wake up where I've got mountains of homework to consider the next few weeks. But yet, Paul is encouraging us as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, to be compassionate and have kindness and humility and meekness and patience. That word meekness, by the way, doesn't mean weak. It just means to be humble. And so if you want to avoid the do-over season, Paul would say just then, put on, as God chosen ones, all the things I just described. Put on the new. You want to be rooted by the taproot, built up and established and overflowing? Put on the new. The Greek word for put on in verse 13 um, is in do you, which literally means to clothe yourself, right? And so this idea is just like we all chose something to wear this morning. Paul is encouraging God's people and encouraging us, whether we're trying to get rid of the do-over season or looking forward to what it looks like for us as churches to live together under one roof, to put on the new like we would put on a shirt or a jacket. I love that picture. It's just, it's so simple. I just got to put it on, right? Just like I, sometimes you can't find the sleeve. Sometimes it's not always simple, right? But you just put it on. And likewise, as Christians, you and I are supposed to put on the Christ life. And it looks like what we just read. And it looks like, and it's purposed in what Steve just said, shared with us. But sometimes to put on something new like Jesus, right, means at times we have to take something off, Right? Because we all could have chosen to have pajama day, but we probably took off our pajamas, unless you're a freak and wear them underneath your clothes, which, you know, more power to you. Um, 
But Paul says we should take something off. Look a few verses back in verse 9 of chapter 3. And he says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practice. See, before we could put on the new, we have to take off the old. Before we could enter into 24 and look in front of everything that God has for us, we have to let go of the past because I can't get back yesterday. I could only move forward because windshields are bigger than rearview mirrors. And so this makes the new year very hard and the new overseas and really real and tense because we've all probably entered into the new year thinking about the things that we didn't do last year, right? I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm not going to watch as much TV. I'm going to read more books. I'm going to speak kindly to the people that I'm closest to. And then life happens and I realize I'm chewing everybody's heads off because that's what I'm really good at. But I want to point out something else as well. Not only are we filled with the things that we didn't get done last year that we hope to get done this year, I would say, ask God, God, do you really want me to do those things? Or is this just chains holding me back for what you really want? Because at the end of the day, I'd rather have what you want than what I want, even though I really want what I really want. But also, some of last year's practices, just like Paul said in verse 9, to take those off, Sometimes it's because they don't fit us anymore. Maybe we didn't get them done because they didn't fit us. Or better yet, because of Christ's work in our lives or what he's done in our past and what he's going to do moving forward is that we don't fit them. You ever thought about that? You ever put on a shirt? I, you, know, like I, you know, like I've done this as I've gotten older, right? Like I've got shirts from when I was this age and shirts when I need them because of this or whatever. And I really like these shirts, but they don't fit anymore for whatever reason. Some of the things that God does not want you to do anymore is not because they don't fit you. It's because you don't fit them because of the nature that he is working into you because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so the question is, if I don't fit those things that I didn't get done and I'm looking forward to what I'm supposed to do, then how am I to fit into the things God has for us and take off the things of old and past? Look at verse 10. Almost done. And have put on the new self. You've put off the old self with its practices and have put on. So you're taking stuff off. Don't forget to reach for the new thing. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Isn't that interesting? There's that word again out of verse 12, put on. It's the same word like you would put on a jacket. But when we put on the new self, it's not us that we're putting on. It's in the image of the creator that Paul would say, and that's Jesus. That wonderful passage in chapter 1 where he talks about how Jesus is the preeminence of all things. That's who we put on. It's Jesus, not ourselves. So maybe the things that you're putting, you're thinking, I didn't get this done last year. And then how do I look like, you know, what I need to do in 24? Maybe you need to take the pressure off yourself to be your God and follow the God that Jesus is. And put on him instead of trying to figure out how I fit into this stuff. Because here's truth number two. We are meant to reflect Christ to ourselves and others by putting on him and taking off the old. You want to know your purpose today? It's to reflect Jesus, not just to the people around you, but like to yourself. You put on him. 
And so again, I don't want to miss this an opportunity to encourage you personally, maybe as an individual, but also as we are doing something new in a new ministry in a new year of what does it look like for us as churches to live together and work together is there's an opportunity for our churches, both Crossroads and Mosaic, to put on Christ in a new and tangible way this year. And so how are two churches supposed to live together and do ministry together where, where we overlap and have those natural opportunities for the sake and the cause of Christ? Last passage this morning, starting back in verse 12. Let me pick back up there. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Here's that list again, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. But then we get to the fun stuff. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do, whatever you do, walking out of this place, this moment, this morning, Whatever you do, here's the call in our lives as we live horizontally with one another. In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, right? Because we don't put ourselves on, we put on Him. The name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Isn't that beautiful? And so just this call, bearing with together, forgiving one another, and letting the love of Christ's unity being thankful and the word of Christ dwell deeply. That's that taproot. We've got to have that taproot. And when we have that taproot established in the center, deep in the ground, then all the other little squigglies pull out, right? And fill out. And teaching and, admonishing, and teaching and admonishing one another, meaning that we all have a unique perspective. We all have a unique equipping. I don't know if you believe this or not. It's easy for me to say because I'm up here and I have a mic in my hand, which lead, gives me a little credibility, but not much. You're just equipped and called and gifted and seen and known by the God of the universe. Is anyone else here that might sing or speak out of a mic today? Let that dwell richly in your heart because of what Christ is doing and has done you. And I say that to say this because of your uniqueness. You have something to offer just as much as anybody else does. And if we're silent, then our perspective and that little piece that God has put in us as we somehow figure out how to be this large root system spiritually and physically together this year because it's a new year and a new ministry is that your roots are needed just as much as anyone else's roots are needed. We can't do it without Jesus' root, and we can't do it without each other's. So I don't know where you fit into that. I don't know if you're like, man, that's not what I wanted to hear this morning. But I would say it's an awesome, awesome opportunity to do things differently and scrap the do-over season of yesterday. Which leads us to truth number three. Christ is the reason and the way we will do what God has laid before us this year together. And so if we make it about him, 
and not just about where we fall short or what we wish we would have done or what we wish someone else would have done. We make the focus in the object of our worship in our lives, Christ and Jesus and what he's done. Then I think we have a better shot of doing it together than not. Amen? Amen. So when we hear the truth of God's word, we have an opportunity to respond. And we're going to respond... Todd is going to come up and lead us in communion in some prayer prompts. So as he makes his way up, Stephen, I think you have the mic for him. I want to point to you one more picture of what this looks like in Colossians. So what does this look like that we've been talking about today? And it's in verse 11. I skipped it on purpose and I want to end here. Paul again saying, after you've taken off the old and put on the new, of which the image of its creator, right? It says this in verse 11, here there is, because Colossae was a mixed mash of people just like Arlington is. Different perspectives, different histories, different ethnicities, different family backgrounds, all the things. And Paul says this in verse 11, here there is not Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all in all. And so this is how we know when we're accomplishing what we're doing is we live less like ourselves and more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Todd. Can I enter, can I enter into our time of communion together? So if you didn't, if you didn't grab the, the juice and the cracker there, Arnez has a basket there he's carrying around, and feel free to grab them. What we're going to do is we're going to get into some small groups. And as we're two churches here joining together for this service, it'd be great if you could uh, get into some groups with some people from the other church, find someone you don't know, and get to know them a little bit by praying with them. We have three prayer prompts, that uh, three things we'd like you to pray together. Just about two minutes for each of these. They'll be on the screen in case you forget. <clears throat> so find your small group, get your, get your communion elements. And we'll take those together at the end. First, we're going to ask the Lord to enable our churches to choose to love one another as Jesus loves us. That includes overlooking offenses, choosing to believe the best about each other instead of believing the worst. If any conflicts arise, that the Lord would be in the midst of that in his spirit to help us to move forward together. Let's take about two minutes together to pray for that. 